This is the Puppy Training Podcast, episode number six, your brand new puppy. This podcast is for people looking to train their own dog, either as a companion, therapy, or service dog. This is the Puppy Training Podcast, and I'm your host, Amy Jensen. Today, I want to share with you guys part of my canine coaching class that I did this past Wednesday for my members. So I run an online puppy school where I train people how to train their dogs, and I show you exactly how I get the results I get with my puppies that I train professionally. And every Wednesday, I teach a class. I go in-depth on a certain topic. This week, it was on your brand new puppy. I get a lot of questions on puppy biting, uh, how to train my puppy with kids in the home. I get questions on house training. I get questions on just anything puppy, really. So today, I'm going to teach you several topics. I'm going to go in depth, and I want to share this with you. So if you have a brand new puppy or you know someone who does, share this podcast. I hope it benefits. All right, here we go. Enjoy. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Canine Coaching. It's Wednesday at 1. And today we are talking about your brand new puppy. I know a lot of you have just gotten your puppy in the last month or so, or some of you are waiting to get your puppy in the next week or two. So I wanted to do a class on new puppies and what to expect and just really let you know about the dog behavior and these cute little things that you're going to invite into your home soon or that you are already working with in your homes. All right, so these are the most frequently asked question topics that I get as a trainer when someone gets a new puppy. So we're going to go through each of these and talk about them, and then at the end, I'll save time for questions if you have any. Also, just so you know, you are welcome to reach me on the Frequently Asked Questions page of the Members Only area. You can read through all of the questions I've received so far, as well as answers that I've written back to clients such as yourself. If you don't find your specific question, then you can fill out the email form at the bottom, comes directly to my inbox, and I answer it within 24 hours. Pretty good. Um, Also, if you are having some just struggles or you need some one-on-one coaching, feel free to go to my live page, click on the office hours with Amy. You can have access to my calendar, and then you can schedule a time to meet with me one-on-one. And I really enjoy doing those. The people that take advantage of that, I really enjoy meeting with them. And meeting their dogs and getting to see them work with their dogs. And then I can offer some advice to them um, through video conferencing. So take advantage of that if you are interested. Thanks for being with us here today on Canine Coaching. So let's talk about these new puppies. Let's start with house training. I think that's one of the biggest questions I get asked is how to potty train my puppy. Or we're having accidents. Or I'm not sleeping at night. How do I get my dog to be quiet in his crate? All of those things. So I do recommend that you start with training a new puppy. Here's why. Puppies aren't humans. Sometimes we tend to make or pretend that they are, or we try to treat them like they are, but they're not. They're canines. And so we need to teach them how to live with us in our homes. And house training is a really big deal. Those dogs who don't get house trained are the dogs who end up in your garage or your backyard on a permanent basis. And then eventually they're barking and digging and out of control, and then the family gets tired of them, and then the neighbors complain, and so on and so forth. So house training is really critical in having a nice, successful relationship with your dog, allowing them to be part of your family, a part of your pack, and really making them part of your life, which is what we all want. That's my goal for you. So great training is important because when they come into your home, it's a big space. 
it depends on where you live. If you live in an apartment, it's actually going to be a little easier for you to house train your dog versus someone who lives in the state or, you know, several thousand square feet that they're trying to train their puppy to. So it does vary, you know, house to house. But in general, we want to make that puppy's space as small as possible in the beginning. So by making it as small as possible, the puppy is more inclined to keep his sleeping area clean. So if we make that the size of a crate and we keep that crate the size of the puppy, necessarily or saying that, you know, he can stand up, turn around and lay back down and that's it, then he's going to try to keep that space clean because that's where he's sleeping. So that's, that's the idea behind crate training is that by using that small enclosed space, he's going to try to hold it. And that's how we help build his bladder control. And then we get his potty on a schedule, which really helps with keeping your house clean. If you were just to turn your puppy over to a, your house and say, okay, let's play. There's a lot of space and area in there that he could pee in one corner and sleep in another space. So again, we're making that space as small as possible. So we start with crates. After the crate, I recommend getting an exercise pen. So once your puppy can keep his crate clean, and maybe you just want to use it for 15, 20 minutes a day, pull out an exercise pen so he can spend some time in his crate, then he can spend some time playing with you right after he goes potty, and then he can spend some time in his exercise pen. Make sure that in the exercise pen, again, it's going to be a little bigger than his crate, so he could pee in one corner and still play or sleep in the other. So we want to make sure that that's on a timer um, or that we're paying attention to when he last went and then we want to get him to keep that exercise space clean. You know, we're taking him out on regular potty breaks. As soon as he'll keep his exercise space clean, then we can take that exercise pen, open it up, and make it a barrier from, like, wall to wall and maybe give him our living room or give him our kitchen area or give him our laundry room. And, again, we're going to have to time that and make sure that he's getting regular potty breaks so that he learns to keep that area clean. And then we just keep going from there. So once he keeps his crate clean, and then we expand that space to an exercise pen and we keep that clean. And then we expand that space to, say, the laundry room or the living room and he keeps that space clean. Then we just continually add a room at a time. And the best way to do that is just start playing and interacting with your puppy in that new room so that he gets used to, oh, this is now part of my living space. And we're just going to add little bits at a time until your entire living space has been introduced to your puppy and he recognizes your entire home as his living space and not his potty area. So simultaneously with the crate and with these small rooms that you're adding bit by bit, you're taking your puppy out on leash. You're going out, you know, you're having him ring bells ideally, and we'll talk about that in a second. Um, you're going out on leash, you're giving him a treat and marking when he goes. So he's also learning at the same time as he's learning to keep these small spaces clean, he's learning that he's going to get regular potty breaks outside and he gets really yummy stuff for going outside. So we're trying to create that association in a positive way and then also teaching them at the same time to keep areas in our home clean. So crates are awesome. The, so after the crate training, we talk about timers. So a timer is an invaluable tool. Okay, so I have one of these old school timers, but it's great. You just set it on your counter. Every time I take my puppy outside, I'm resetting it. He's up to 45 minutes now in my house. So as I'm watching her play, then... You know, after she goes out and she goes potty, she comes back in. I set it to 45 minutes. It's just a good reminder. I'm still watching her 100%. So this is not a, you know, an escape from having to watch my puppy or supervise my puppy. But it is a tool that I use to remind myself, oh, it's been a while since she's had a potty break. When it goes off, I'm like, well, yeah, we got to go out. And then I'm more likely to prevent accidents from happening because I'm not getting distracted by other things and forgetting when I last took her out. 
The other thing that, you know, go into my program, all of you are members, so go into the prep unit. There is a chart that you can print out, the house training chart. I have seven days worth of charts for you where you can write in when she last went, did she go pee, did she go poop, was it good, was it an accident, you know, where did it happen? So you can really start to track that behavior. I find that helpful because if I know to when to expect, you know, that they go pee a lot throughout the day, but poop maybe only four to five times a day. If it's, if I kind of know when my puppy's going to go, that takes a lot of that headache out for me. So I can anticipate when it's coming. It's not always like a fix-all, but it does help if you start to chart your puppy's potty habit. Um, and then the timer is really, really useful. So timers and charts, I recommend you use them. I've given you the tools. They're in the prep unit. Again, those charts if you want to go print them out. Okay, so let's talk about bells. This is a hot topic. Sometimes people are like, I don't want to teach my puppy to ring the bells because he just rings them to go out to play. And then all day long, he's ringing the bells. So this is what I tell clients. I like having a way for my puppy to communicate to me that he needs to go potty. So the bells are a nice way that he can simply ring them. I know, oh, he needs to go outside. I put him on leash. I get my potty treat. We head outside. We do the potty business. He gets his treat. We come back inside. That's how I use bells at my house. Let's say my puppy is just learning the bells and he rings the bells. He's already gone potty and he's ringing the bells and I know he doesn't need to go. At that point, I just simply take them off the door or put them you know, away for a little while. Probably like back to my timer thing. My, I know in about 45 minutes, he's gonna have to go again. So that's when I would put the bells back on my door around that time so that he could go find them again and associate them with going potty. So if you let your puppy out, let's say he rings the bells and you let him go outside and is off leash and he takes off and he runs and he plays, all you're teaching your dog is that the bells mean I get to go outside and play. So yes, he's going to keep ringing those bells because he wants to go outside and play, especially if it's a nice sunny day. So it's up to you how he associates those bells. What association is he making with those bells? For me and my puppies, it's always, this is a trip to go potty outside. Then we come back in. If I know my dog, you know, he's ready for an outside romp around the yard and he's just ready to have some fun and play. Then yeah, after we come back inside, I'll say, hey, you want to go outside and play? And then we go out without touching the bells. So the bells don't mean we go outside and we're off leash and we're playing. The bells simply mean I, I'm on leash. I have a potty treat. I'm going to get if I go to the bathroom. Um, that's what it means to my puppy. So they learn that very quickly. But it is nice to have, you know, a way to communicate because dogs are not people. We are not dogs. We don't speak a common language. We need to create a common language. So a bells are a good way to teach our puppy. Look, if you ring this bell, it's a way to tell me that I need to take you out. Okay, so treats and a leash. We just mentioned that with bells, but this is really important. A lot of times people will get a brand new puppy and then they open the door and they send the puppy out to go potty. And then the puppy runs right back in. They give the treat when the puppy comes back in and then the puppy pees on the floor. That sounds familiar maybe. Hopefully not, but if that's happened to you, we're going to fix it. That's okay. What I recommend is I always take a potty treat and I put my puppy on leash and we go out together. The reason why is, number one, if they're off leash, they're going to be distracted. So trying to teach them the go potty command while they're sniffing bushes and running around your yard and chasing birds or whatever they're doing because they are puppies, it's going to be difficult to keep their attention and to get them to focus on the business at hand. So I put them on a leash. Now, here's a tip for you. If some puppies aren't used to going on a leash, in fact, Every puppy needs to be taught to go on a leash. Depends on how much work your breeder's done for you. If your puppy comes to you and has never been on a leash, that's a little bit hard for a puppy to learn, oh, now I have to pee while I'm attached to this person. 
they might want to create more distance from you to go potty. So if you're having troubles with your brand new puppy going potty on leash, I recommend getting a long line. So go get some paracording that's like 20 feet long, tie a little carabiner on it, clip it to your puppy's collar. And then he has more space. He can wander further from you to go do his business. And then once it's successful, you're still there to mark yes and give him a reward. Um, and then you can make that leash smaller and smaller, shorter and shorter until finally he's on a four foot or six foot leash and no problem. So if you are experiencing trouble with your brand new puppy, that's totally normal. Puppies aren't, they don't come knowing what a leash is or how to use it or how to go potty on it. And any little change we make, you know, you bring that brand new puppy home, they have a new home, they have a new owner, they have a new yard, they have all sorts of new things going on. So as soon as you attach that leash and that's new, all of those things can kind of stress a puppy out and you might really just have a hard time figuring out that, yeah, I can see while I'm attached to this leash. So if you're having those kinds of issues, go get a longer line, work on it until you can get it shorter and shorter and shorter down for your puppy. So, um, all right. So the treats and the leash, we talked about that. If the treats, another thing on that, if you only send your puppy out and then he comes back in and then you treat him, we need to think in terms of dog behavior. And you have to think like a trainer. That's what you are. As soon as you have a new puppy, you are a trainer. And hopefully that's why you're enjoying my program. I'm helping you learn how to be a trainer. So when if we reward the puppy for running back to us and coming inside and give him the treat, he's literally thinking, I'm getting this treat because I ran back to this person or I ran in the house. We don't want to mark that necessarily, although that's a great thing that your puppy came to. The potty treat is really there to mark when he went to the bathroom. So the second he goes, you're there on leash with him to literally mark yes and give him the treat. We want that association to be, yes, I want you to pee in this grass, not on my carpet. So we need to make that association. And the only way to do it is to put your puppy on a leash or a long line and go outside with him. So, and then recognize you're welcome to give him another treat when he comes back in. If you call him back in off that long line or something and build that recall, just realize what it's rewarding. Some people think, oh, I gave him a potty treat. Why isn't he getting it? But then I find out, oh, you're really giving the treat way too late. Puppies make immediate association. So that marker, yes, has to come the second he finishes. Um, I try not to do it midstream because then they come sometimes look at you and stop going and I want them to finish. So the second they finish, it's yes, I give them a treat for going. You'll notice that if you do that and you're consistent, your puppy will pick up on that really quickly, especially if it's a good treat. I always just buy a tub of freeze-dried liver for my puppies, my brand new puppies, and then I let them smell it. So I'm, you know, almost letting them smell it as we walk out and pointing to the grass, letting them smell that treat. They get that treat the second they go potty, and they really make that association pretty quickly so that they learn go potty means be in the grass, I get a treat. Okay, now accidents. Accidents will happen, you guys. First of all, I don't want you to get mad at yourself or your puppy. I want you to just realize that accidents are going to happen. No matter how hard you try, no matter how type A personality you are, no matter how hard you try to track and chart everything and set a timer, occasionally there's going to be setbacks. You're going to have experience an accident. So there's two things. First of all, if you catch your puppy in the middle of doing it, I'd slap a wall, um, clap your hands, make some kind of startling noise. We don't want to scare your puppy, but we do want to startle them. We want them to stop what they're doing and look at you like, what's going on? That's when you rush them outside. And put the, you know, grab your leash, grab your potty treat, rush them outside, have them finish. If you can't get to your treats in that case, seriously, just take them outside. If you miss that one treat, it's okay. 
We just want them to do their business outside. If you can grab the leash and the treat, awesome. If you can't, just get them outside. So in that instance, if you catch them in the act, we really want to try to redirect them to a more appropriate place to go to the bathroom. It's actually a really good learning experience for them as long as it's not traumatic. If you're yelling at them, if you're negative, if you're scaring them, all they will learn is, oh, next time I need to pee where she can't see me, which we don't want. So make sure you're not fearful or forceful or intimidating to your puppy. We're literally just trying to catch his attention, get him to stop what he's doing and rush him outside and then praise like crazy when you get outside and he's peeing outside. If you don't catch the accident, let's say you turn your head for two seconds, puppies are so quick and it doesn't take long for them to dart in the other room and pee in the corner. So again, 100% supervision while they're in your home or on a leash tethered to you or in their crate at all times, no exception. So let's say though that you turn your head and the puppy pees and you look down and there's an accident on the floor, but you missed it. You didn't really see it. You know, he's already finished. He's not midstream. Um, then the only thing you can do there is clean it up. The puppy's not going to associate, you know, if it was a couple minutes ago, maybe you find it, you know, you're doing something in your kitchen and you didn't realize that he went pee in the corner and he's laying back on his bed or something, you know, life happens. And I totally get it. I have children. Um, I have, you know, a lot of things going on as well. Accidents happen in my house. So I get it. Just if it happens, don't, again, punish your puppy. Don't take his nose and rub it in. There's all sorts of old school methods out there of what to do if you find an accident. I guarantee through puppy and dog behavior, your dog will not associate that punishment if it doesn't come immediately. Um, and again, we've already talked about why we don't want to punish them, even if you see it immediately, because then they'll just run and hide the next time. So punishment is not the answer here. Punishment is not a good option. The best option if you see an accident is to simply... Say, you know what? I messed up. I'm going to do better taking, you know, keeping track of where my puppy is and what he's doing. And I'm going to clean up this mess. And we're going to move on. I do, after I clean it up, like to take my puppy outside and see if he needs to go and get back on my timer, you know, knowing when to set my timer when he last went, especially if I don't know when that accident happened, whether it was one minute ago or five minutes ago. Um, so you'll want to make sure that you reset your timer appropriately. All right, that's a lot about house training. If you have more questions, you guys, I've covered all of these on our Frequently Asked Questions page. They're also in lessons in within our program. So you're also welcome to send me an email and say, hey, what about this on house training? And I'm happy to answer that later today as well. Okay, kids and puppies. I have gotten several, 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 several calls on kids and puppies this week. And I get it. It's springtime. We have children in our home. We have puppies in our home. And we're trying to be a family. And you know, we have this vision of what we want our dog to be and we want to include him in the family and we want to make him a part of us. And and so let's talk about that. The first one on there is human-like. A lot of us tend to think that we're going to bring this dog into our home. So he's a canine. He's got razor sharp teeth. But we kind of ignore those facts and we think, okay, I'm going to bring this cute little fluffy puppy into my home. My kids are going to love him. We're all going to be so happy. And we kind of have this dream-like um, almost fantasy of what it's going to be like when our puppy comes home. So I'm not teaching this lesson today to discourage you, but I do want to bring you back to reality and let you realize that when you decide to bring a dog into your home, you are bringing a living, breathing creature with his own mind and razor sharp teeth into your environment. We tend to feel, you know, treat our dogs like uh, they're going to sit and be calm while we're eating our dinner and they're going to go potty outside every time. When I put them in their crate, in a way, they're going to be quiet. 
And we have a lot of these great ideals, which I love because I tell you all in my program to set goals, have that vision of what we want our dog to be, and then we can ultimately shape them into that. I just want to help you realize that when you bring that brand new puppy home, he's a puppy and he has, he does puppy things. He does normal dog behavior, all of which I shouldn't say all, but most of which don't really coincide with how we live and how we play and how humans interact with one another. So there's a lot of work to be done. You can get to that ideal. And I encourage you to set those goals. Yes, I want my puppy to lay calmly at my feet while I'm working in my office. Yes, I want him to come when called. Yes, when I put him in his crate to relax, I want him to be quiet. Yes, I want him to sleep through the night. And all of those ideals are fabulous. But just be real and recognize that a dog does dog things. So they chew. And to them, everything is chewable. So when you bring a puppy into your home, they don't know that they can't chew your table or they can't chew your sofa or they can't chew your pillows. To them, everything is game, game on. So we need to teach them, you know, how to be appropriate with that. And we're going to actually talk about dog behavior in just a second. But uh, again, with that human-like fantasy that we kind of have and we kind of treat our dogs like humans or we expect them to act like us and think like us, they don't. They think like dogs. We think like humans. We speak English. They speak dogs. And so there's a lot of work to be done there initially. So with the biting, the biting is a big question that I get with kids and puppies. The reason why puppies bite is, you could probably answer this for yourself now, is that they're dogs. Dogs bite. If you've ever watched puppies play together, in fact, I'm going to post a video as part of this um, lesson today. I'll post a link to it. It's, I posted it on YouTube as an um, unlisted video, but I'll post a link to that. I videoed two puppies playing this week. I have a puppy that I'm training right now in my home. Her name is Remy. She's super cute. I, I videoed her playing with a little dog named Roxy. And I want you to see and to pay attention to how they play. They bang into each other. They push each other over. They bite. They, they're biting ears. They're biting tails. They're biting paws. They are very rough. Sometimes they growl when they play. Sometimes they bark when they play. Um, they do lots of wrestling and mouthing and biting behaviors. So when your kids you know, are little, the littler they are, probably the more so you see this, because they are shorter. They're more at the dog's or the puppy's height. They're more the puppy's size. They have really high-pitched, fun voices that excite puppies. They you know, make really quick movements with their hands and their bodies. They're just really exciting. You know, they take off running at any given moment. They shriek out in excitement. They, you know, they're just, they're giggly. They're, they're very exciting to a puppy. They're much like a squeaky toy. So when we combine our kids and our puppies, we have to do some work. We have to teach our puppy. These kids are not puppies. They don't play like other puppies. They play like children. And it's your job to teach your puppy how to play appropriately with them. Similarly, we need to teach our kids that this is a puppy. They don't play like human children. You know, they don't do exactly what we want them to do. Um, a really good example of that would be hugs. You know, sometimes kids just want to hug their dog, wrap their arms around them and just squeeze them and love them. And to them or to us, all of us, you know, we love that interaction. We love physical touch from people and to feel loved. And that's how we show each other love is we're hugging. Puppies don't do that. Puppies aren't hugging. In fact, when they hug, they only hug or wrap their paws around for, you know, several reasons. And that doesn't come later until adolescence or adulthood. 
So it's actually a very threatening behavior to a puppy to, to squeeze them and to hug them tight. It will just teach that puppy to either avoid that child or to actually bite that child. So we want to make sure that we teach our, our kids, this is a puppy, he's not a human, and teach our puppy, you know, this is a child, it's not a dog, and we need to teach them how to interact appropriately. So for that, and this will eliminate a lot of that puppy biting that goes on, is number one, there has to be supervision. I always, always, always tell my clients, please supervise your puppy 100% of the time when he's out of his crate or kennel. So especially if there's children around, you can't even leave them in the same room for a minute while you go do something. It's just not safe, especially if you have small children. So I would say once a child's about six, six is a good age that that child could probably learn how to give cues and really um, say no to that puppy, defend themselves if the puppy were to jump or try to put their mouth on that child. The child's old enough and He's going to school now. He's to the point where he can really recognize, oh, you know, you're a dog. I'm human. This is how I should treat you. And this is how you should treat me. So that's a good age, really. If you're thinking about getting a puppy, maybe you don't have one quite yet. I recommend you wait until your youngest child is six. Now, for those of you who have younger children in the home, that's okay. It's just your job's going to be a little harder because that supervision is so important. So we want to make sure that we're always watching our kids and puppies when they're together. Um, I would never send my puppy out in the backyard with my, say, two and four-year-old to play by themselves. I just wouldn't do it. It's too dangerous. Um, with that, the management comes in. So when we are all together, I like to teach my children, you know, games to play with the puppy. Like, let's manage the situation, right? The puppy wants to play. You want to play. We obviously can't go into a biting wrestling match because it's going to turn out pretty ugly. So let's find some appropriate games that we can teach our kids to play with puppies. So. If you need games to play, go to the positive section of Puppy Prep. It's found, you can find it on the bottom of the units. You can also find it um, in the members only area. So if you go to just the members only pages at the very bottom, if you go to the menu at the top of our homepage, it's um, listed in there as well. So click on positive, go to the games. On the left-hand side, there are six games. Those are great games to teach your kids to play with your puppies. It's a healthy interaction. The kids are having fun with the puppy, getting the puppy to do things. The puppy is having fun. It's getting food rewards for good behavior. It's mostly learning patience and impulse control, which is a really a valuable and I would say essential trait for your puppy to have in order to interact healthy in a healthy manner with children. They have to be able to wait and to be patient um, instead of just reacting to every quick movement that your child makes. So go play those positive games. They're super helpful. Also, in lesson 2.1, the come lesson, there are some games in there that you can play hide and seek and getting your puppy to come to you and things like that. So take advantage of that. All right. So again, with the management, if you can't, let's say you're doing something with your children at the moment and you can't watch your puppy. That's totally understandable. Life happens. So I've included some puppy training schedules in the prep unit with some sample daily schedules. Those are frameworks. Feel free to adjust those to however you need to do so on your schedule. Like for me, my youngest child is in third grade. So she's at school all, you know, most of the daytime. So I'm able to have my puppies out more, you know, well, and she's even old enough that she helps me a lot. But if I were to have some children over, I would have to adjust that schedule so that my puppy is um, in a controlled environment when my children are here. So feel free to make sure that your puppy is using that crate as much as possible. If you have a two-month-old puppy, he can take two-hour crate time. If you have a three-month-old puppy, they can take three-hour crate times. 
And feel free to use that. Don't be afraid to use that time for your puppy to take a nap. I always put something in there for them to chew or to you know, entertain themselves with. It helps, you know, with that management around your house and you know the behavior that we're going to get into next. Of you know, your puppy's really just not able to get into trouble while he's in the crate. So again, supervise, use the management tools that we have, teach them games that are healthy, and teach them how to interact with one another. You know, things like we don't hug puppies, but this is how you could pet them, or you know, let's give him a belly rub, or let's you know find alternatives so you're not just telling no. You know, saying no all day long to your children. Um, and then you're also not on the reverse saying no all day to your dog because you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. Really be creative and find some ways that those, you know, your children and your puppies can interact and they can have fun together, but in a constructive way, in an educational way instead of a harmful way. All right. Uh, dog behavior. Let's get into that. So we kind of already mentioned it a little bit, but I do want to reemphasize that, you know, puppies are puppies and they, they bite and they chew and they dig, they bark. They they hunt, they chase, and they you know like to retrieve things. They do all sorts of things that are just normal to dogs. So when we bring them into our home, we need to recognize and we need to teach them and educate them on how they can live with us in our homes appropriately. So for the chewing, I always say replace hard for hard, soft for soft. So we need to educate our puppy. Let's say our puppy is going to our sofa and he pulls a pillow off. I would say, hey, uh uh. And I would redirect him with a soft toy. Because he went for the pillow, I'd get a squeaky toy or a plush toy, something that's squishy, maybe a blanket that's his, his little doggy blanket, whatever it is his. And I would, basically, you're just swapping it out. Now, usually, if you come to your puppy with something new and exciting and you're waving it around, like, hey, look what I have, they're going to drop what they have and they want to see what you have. So your job is to make whatever you're going to replace it with more exciting. Um, and I would try to up the value. So if he's not going to release the pillow, I guarantee if you find a squeaky toy that's his favorite, or maybe he's never seen before, it's a brand new toy, or maybe just whatever he really loves. If you need to, you can go grab a piece of ham, or a piece of chicken, or something yummy. I guarantee he'll drop the pillow for that. So find something that you can replace it with. He drops the pillow, he gets the treat, or the other toy, and then you're, you're putting the toy in his mouth saying, hey, look, you can chew this. So we're not making it scary. We're not making it, um, we're not frightening our puppy. We're not intimidating our puppy. We're not forcing the pillow out of our puppy's mouth. We are literally just saying, hey, I don't want you to chew on that, but here, you can chew on this. And that's important. That keeps your relationship strong. It keeps it um, healthy and it keeps it respectful. So we just want to basically say, oh, hey, don't chew on that. Here's this instead. Greeting guests. So again, dogs, get excited and they jump and they bark. And so these are all normal dog behaviors. Only most of us in our minds have this ideal of, you know, when a guest comes, I would love it if my puppy would sit and just be calm while a guest comes. That has to be taught. The good news is it can be taught. So we just want you to recognize that he does need to learn how to do that. So greeting guests, I have a lesson in my program. We even have a field trip that's like a doorbell donut day where we invite people to our home and we practice over and over and over again an appropriate greeting so what it looks like for a brand new puppy and we did this yesterday in a puppy class that I held is you put your puppy on leash I have some adults just randomly or children as long as they're old enough standing around my home and then I take my puppy on leash up to that person I'm showing them a really yummy piece of food um, roast beef or honey nut Cheerios peas whatever your puppy likes um, and I'm luring them into a sit as I approach the person then I'm literally just kind of feeding them little treats as I talk to the person if your puppy can stay there for, you know, you can make those 
treat feeding longer. So instead of just every second, maybe every 10 seconds, you're giving your puppy a reinforcement. But we just want to keep them there in that nice sitting position while I'm, I'm talking to a person. Now, we don't always think, oh, I need to make eye contact and talk with this person. But I guarantee if you try it with your puppy, that he's never done this before, and you start talking or you look away and you're not looking at the puppy, he's going to start either back into that jumping or he's going to be doing other behaviors. So it's important that we teach our puppy, I want you to sit here. I'm going to have a conversation. I'm going to look at someone else and I expect you to stay sitting until I say, okay, and we're on our way. So that's what it looks like at my house. Again, I put my puppy on leash. I have some yummy treats. I approach a person. I'm luring my puppy into a sit or waiting if he already knows how to go into a sit for him to automatically do that. As soon as he does that, I mark yes. I start treating him. And it, again, I vary how often he gets the treat. I make eye contact with my friend who I'm talking to. I talk to them. I vocalize. And then my puppy can start to differentiate between that vocalization and his release cue, which is really important. And then I say, okay, and we're on our way. So greeting guests, just recognize again that that has to be a learned behavior. Your dog does not know how to greet a guest like a human. He only knows how to greet a guest like a dog, which involves jumping and barking. So it's our job to teach him and educate our brand new puppy on how to do that. And if you start that from the beginning, you just always expect your puppy to sit before anyone's allowed to pet him. It will um, really start, he'll really start to shape into that nice you know, dog behavior that you're looking for. It's easier said than done because people come up and they say, oh, what if you puppy, I just want to pet him. And they just kind of almost just dive right in. It's our job to kind of step in between them and say, hey, do you mind just waiting until my puppy fits and then you can pet him. So just educating people is probably the hardest part. All right. So then getting attention. For our puppies, that's just an important way. You know, we need to get their attention before we can do any sort of training with our puppy. So just teaching them to look at us. So a lot of times, I'll just, every time my puppy looks at me, I just feed him a treat. Give him a Cheerio. Give him a little tiny pea. Give him a little morsel of chicken, like a little string of chicken. I mean, these treats are tiny that I'm talking about. I'm not feeding them big chunks of food. I'm literally making that chunk of food as small as I can and breaking it into as many pieces as I can because that's how I get the most, you know, behavior and repetitions out of my puppy without him becoming full or, you know, um, that sort of thing. So attention is important. Anytime he looks at you, I just give him a little piece of food or something or a, a you know, petting, a belly rub, anything. I expect attention. But when I expect his attention, it's not jumping on me attention. It's sitting calmly looking at me attention. And that's what I reward. All right. And then finally, just remember that this puppy is not a robot. It doesn't come with buttons that you can turn on and off. You know, okay, I'm tired of the biting. Let's push the no biting button. Or... I'm tired of the jumping. Let's just push this button and look, it fixes it. It just, it's just not like that. Puppies are puppies and they don't know what we want. We have to teach them. They don't have our language. They don't even know what we're saying to them. So literally take advantage of my lessons that I've walked you through. I teach you how to teach your puppy our common language. You know, you're building a vocabulary that he understands, that you understand, that you're consistent with. And a lot of that frustration will go away as soon as you understand one another. So, okay. Food and health. Um, I get these questions a lot from people, and I'm just going to throw this out there, that which food, there are so many different options out there. If you're working with a breeder, I recommend you keep your puppy on the same food that your breeder has that puppy on, and here's why. A lot of times we are too quick to change their food. Their little digestive systems are still developing, and it's hard on their little systems to change food. So if you can, if you like, you know, if the, the food is working for your puppy, he has healthy stools. There's no issues there and you can afford that food that your breeders recommended. I would, you know, hands down recommend you keep them on the same food. 
Now, if you have a doodle, a lot of uh, dogs in my program are doodles, some mix of a poodle, they are a little more picky with their food. They don't just scarf it down like they a lab would. So what I recommend for that is a lot of times I'll get clients who say, well, they like their food, but then like a week later, they stop eating it. And then I went out and got a new food and I fed him that food, but now he doesn't really like that food either. So what should I do? And I just tell people, don't change their food. So the more we change their food, the more picky they get. So again, keep them on the same food if you can as the breeder was feeding them and then just keep them on that food. Don't get into, you know, don't get caught in the trap of, oh, they're not going to eat this meal. They must not like their food. I'm going to go buy new food. Please don't. Your brand new puppy is fine. It, when he's hungry, he will eat. He will not starve himself. So keep feeding him that same food. Do not change foods. It'll just be this long, you know, um, repet repetition of finding, always just finding a new food and he'll never really like one. So you'll always see the same thing after two weeks. He's bored of that one. He'll, you'll go get a new one. He'll be bored of that one, et cetera. So just keep him on the same food if it's doing, you know, his, his job and he's doing well on it. Vaccinations. So vaccinations, again, there's lots of different opinions on vaccinations. I would find a vet that you agree with. Hopefully there's several good options in your area. And your breeder can oftentimes recommend a good vet as well that they work with already. So if you're in the same area as your breeder, I know not all of you are. Some of you are getting dogs from other states and, and, and things like that. But find a vet in your area that you agree with. Ask them their philosophies. You know, do your research. Really go out and, and do your research on vaccinations. But find a good vet that you like. You like their personality. You feel like they're, they answer your questions. You feel like they're knowledgeable and that they're up to date on the latest science. And then um, I would do their protocol and follow their protocol for vaccination. So leading into socialization, those vaccinations are super important. Um, there's, this is also another debated topic in puppy training. And I've done a lot of research on this. Puppies' brains are developing at a very rapid rate between 7 and 12 weeks. So really, the time that you have them is probably that 8 to 12-week mark. And it can vary from puppy to puppy. It might go on up into 14 to 16 weeks. But ultimately, that, that good solid chunk is from 7 to 12 weeks, your puppy's brain is developing rapidly. You have a critical, what we call a critical socialization window. And they need to be socialized to as many people, sights, sounds, smells, places, experiences as they can in a positive way within that window. What it does for them is it helps them see new things as non-scary, non-intimidating. The world is a safe place. Um, I don't need to react to that. They So anytime they come up with a new thing as they get older, they'll probably just go over and check it out. So we call it socialization. But again, it has to be a positive association and positive socialization. If you force your puppy, let's say he's scared of the garbage can, and you drag your puppy over there and you're like, hey, sniff this, check this out. That will absolutely not be good. That will make your puppy more fearful of it than less fearful of it. So we never want to force our puppy onto something that he's afraid of. Instead, I say, hey, a garbage can? Oh, it's making you kind of nervous. I see his little tail is tucked. Like, okay, well, I'm going to go check it out. And I go stand by the garbage can and I touch the garbage can and I walk around the garbage can. And then I see, hey, do you want to come check this out? And I'll see if my puppy is willing to come check it out with me. That's the best way to go about it. So if you notice your puppy's tucking his tail or he's pulling back, he doesn't want to go check something out, I never, ever drag him to check it out. I always let him come on his own terms and say, okay, this is fine. And I, I go on like, hey, this is no big deal. I have a confident attitude. And, you know, I... That, Confidence translates down to your puppy. He can sense that from you. If you're not worried, he's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be worried either. That's the best way to approach socialization. But we do want them to be introduced to, you know, people, 
and a variety of people. So we want long hair, short hair, facial hair, hats, all sorts of different things so that they um, are used to seeing, you know, different things out in the world and they know that they can handle it. Um, I have included in the prep unit a socialization master checklist. So it's um, a pretty good list of different things that you can introduce your puppy to. And also in each lesson at the bottom, there's a socialization um, checklist as well and some ideas daily on a daily basis that you can help your puppy experience so that he'll be more well-rounded. Okay, that was a lot of talking. I hope I've answered lots of your uh, brand new puppy questions. Again, I've covered all of this in my program. This is found in my lesson plans. You can find it in my FA, on my FAQ page. Um, you can find this in a lot of the videos that we show as well. If you have more questions, feel free to reach out using my FAQ Ask the Trainer page. Again, you can also sign up for live office hours with me, and I would love to talk with you one-on-one. -on -one. All right, you guys have an awesome day, an awesome week, and happy training. I'll see you next week. If you have a question about anything you heard on this podcast or any other puppy training question, visit my site, baxterandbella.com, to contact me.